What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David. It's Candace. It's Isaac. We are here. The Memphis Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors. Dylan Brooks put his money where his mouth is, maybe. At like 14 points, six assists, four rebounds. Not a huge game from him, but he was a plus 22. But does this game mean anything at all? And the answer to that question, I will actually, I'm not even going to give an answer. I'm going to let you guys give that answer. First off, are you guys surprised that the Grizzlies won this game at all? Well, I wasn't because they, they play so well at home. Uh, it, it's on the road that they that they, that they they really stink. And I, I sort of figured just given the downturn of events, um, I, I just kind of had a feeling about this one, given everything going back, you know, back and forth between Draymond and, and Dylan. Uh, I kind of figured this with the energy in the FedEx form that they would be able to pull out a win. I did think it'd be maybe a little bit closer to the wire, um, but I, 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 I had a good feeling about this one in particular. Yeah, I had a good feeling about it as well uh, for some of the reasons that Candace said. I felt like they were just due. Uh, and as she said, they play better at home. Coming back home, you had the, the back and forth between uh, Draymond and, and and Dylan Brooks. And it, it, it's crazy because, of course, you win this one when you're super short-handed. I mean, they went up to Golden State. No Steph Curry. Some other guys out for Golden State couldn't win that one. And you come in there and win this one. But I said earlier that with everything that's going on, man, all the, the negativity – around this team right now, uh, this, a win, to win tonight would be therapeutic. That's what I said this morning. And they were able to get it. Um, I think as to answer the question of does it mean anything, I'm still not convinced that this is everything's going to be all right and that, that they're rolling and they're going to continue to be able to win games shorthanded like this. But I think of, of any team in the league uh, with the situation that's going on with the Grizzlies, if you could get a win that could kind of settle the fan base down and make them feel better and take a sigh of relief, I think it's the Golden State Warriors. Um, and then you get them again like next Saturday, so you got an opportunity to try to knock them off again. But I, I, I think this is a big win. I think it's a big win for their confidence because I think this this is a team that they try to measure themselves against. They don't like each other. It's a rivalry. So I think anytime they beat the Golden State Warriors, I think it fires them up. So it, it, it's a really good win. Again, I don't think it means everything's fine and we're going to be rolling and they're going to roll down the stretch and hold on to the two-seed or anything like that. But it's really good to see the guys come out and go play well. 131 points. Um, and I, I, I just put this out on Twitter. Anytime you out shoot the Golden State Warriors from three, you're probably going to win the game. Um, and they were able to do that tonight. This was a microcosm of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Um, not necessarily the three point shooting, but they out shoot Golden State. Uh, Memphis shoots goes 18 of 40 for 45 percent. The Golden State's 15 of 45 for 33.3 percent. That's not something that you're going to see a lot against Golden State. Most of the time in most games, Golden State's going to outshoot their opponents from downtown. So if you do that, you're probably going to be in good, pretty good shape. But Grizzlies out-rebound them um, with the numbers here, 42-32, uh, to 32, and also point to the paint. Uh, Grizzlies outscore them by 20, 56-36. So that's Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Those, those are some numbers that we haven't really seen um, in these losses. I mean, they've been getting out-rebounded bad. Uh, teams have been either beating them in points to the paint or close points to the paint. A lot of that has to do with, with not having Steven Adams. So just a good victory, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad to have it. Uh, can sell this fan base down and finally have something positive to talk about for, that we haven't had in a while. Yeah, as yeah. you mentioned, po- positive. Go ahead, Candace. Oh no, no, go ahead. As you mentioned, positive. We got bad news today on Stephen Adams. He's going to be out at least. Or was that yesterday? I can't even remember. Things are running together. Today, it was, it, yeah. yeah, it was this morning, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's going to be out at least another four weeks. He's going to be reevaluated in four weeks, which puts it, puts it at 
playoff time, Dylan Brooks in his like the the exit interview when he's going off the court post game interview. Yeah, I know what you're about to was, say. I know he too. was asked about what the ceiling is for this team, and and he said that this is our group. Yeah, yeah. And, and I noticed the, that too. The reporter asked about Jai. He asked about Adams and Brandon Clark, and so. That's a little scary to me. I didn't think that Ja would be coming back soon, but I expected him to return this season. And Dylan didn't like, there's no confirmation that he's for sure going to miss. But based off of Dylan's reply, does it give you any concern that we may not see Ja Morant for the rest of the season? I think I lean more towards we're more likely to see him if they can. You know, stay. I think they could stay in the playoffs, right? But I, I think we're more like to see him in the playoffs. I think that that might be in it, and it might be that they this we we see this group for an extended amount of time. I do think that's the case. I can see them extending him, an, you know, additional. I don't know after these four games are up, I can see another stint because uh, Taylor Jenkins specifically mentioned that there are specific benchmarks with which they want him to meet, and so I think that there's got to be a reasonable amount of time. For those to, to happen and I don't know the extent of what those are and Jenkins didn't get into any details with that but from there I th- it seems like it's a process it's not just they're holding him out to hold him out to give him time to clear his head they're expecting him to do certain things and kind of work his way back into the team that way given that time frame I, I expect more playoffs if if at all it's possible not at all but I I, I lean that way if the yeah, Grizzlies I, I, if the, I'm just going to drop this real quick, and then you can go ahead. If the Grizzlies decide to lean into a tank, they can finish the season 39 and 43, bring us Wibanyama. Go ahead. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I thought about that the other day. Yeah, man, I, yeah I was saying this morning, man, if, if things are going to be bad, man, you might as well shut Bane down, man, go ahead and get that surgery done and bring us Wibanyama. But, no, I'm not quite there yet. But, yeah, man, I, I noticed that too because uh, he named – Everybody, I mean, he was talking about Stephen Adams. Um, I mean, he mentioned Brandon Clark being out for the year. Um, I mean, he, he was talking about all this stuff, and he just kind of didn't mention Ja like Ja wasn't going to be a part of this. Uh, I, I noticed that I, I'm like you. I thought I didn't think he was going to be back in the next week, next two weeks, three weeks, but I thought he would be back at some point. But that was kind of interesting. I don't know if it was just we reading too much into it, or there's really something to that uh, that that he's kind of doing inside baseball there and kind of giving us a window into what the thinking is on that. Uh, that, that so I, I definitely noticed when he said that. And it's going to be interesting, man. I hope John's able to come back. But if he's not in a place where he's ready to come back, the human aspect of it, being, it's more important. I mean, as a fan, someone that covers the team, you definitely want to be able to cover and see John out there and his team. It's not going to reach their ceiling without John. Uh, I mean, that completely changes what this team is going to be able to do in the playoffs if you don't have John Moran. But if he's not ready to come back, he shouldn't come back. But I was under definitely under the assumption that he would be back at some point. I, I didn't think – like some people were asking me all morning, well, do you think that four games is going to get suspended? Absolutely. I didn't ever never thought he was going to be back after four games, but definitely thought he was going to be back at some point. But that, that quote does kind of give you pause because he might have just let it slip. He might have known because those guys have talked to John. They know what's going on. And maybe – it's kind of looking like right now that he there's no date or timetable or anytime soon he's going to be coming back. So they're just not even worrying about it. They're just going to operate right now like they're not going to have him. And that could be what 
we saw that he could have been giving us a window into what's really going on behind the scenes. I think that's a great mindset to have. We don't know, like there's no confirmation for sure that Moran is going to be out for the rest of the season, but it's just something I caught. And when you're dealing with something like this, you, you are at least I read into things a little bit and that seemed to be the indication. But if you approach the rest of the season of, okay, these are going to be, these are our guys. This is what we're going to do. Then if you, you approach it like that, and you don't get Morant back, you don't have to change your mentality. If you approach it this way and Morant does come back, okay, that's like a shot in the arm. You get, you know, a, a great player coming back that you were not expecting. I, I don't know what the ceiling of this team is without John Morant, but I can guarantee you it's not as high as it is with John Morant. But long term, I'm on the same page as Isaac. If he is not personally ready to come back regardless of where this team let's say that they somehow managed to say stay as a two seed without John Morant for the remainder of the season 17 games we saw them go on a crazy win streak last year the depth is not as good as it was last year but it's not impossible to think that this team could maintain the two seed heading into the playoffs yeah, to me, I, that that doesn't force your hand. That doesn't I, I don't care what they could be second, they could mess around. Denver have a complete collapse and end up number one in the West. That's not likely to happen, but I don't care where they finish. More than anything, I want John Morant to be ready to come back. If that happens to be next season instead of this season, I hate it. It's unfortunate because tomorrow is not guaranteed whenever it comes to health and the the chemistry of the team. So you almost like you don't want to think about that, but I, I don't want to rush him back. I don't think it's worth it. Right. hundred percent. His, his mental health and, and his, and who he is as a person is way more important than what happens on the basketball court. So I think they're, I think they're going about it the right way to be honest. And, and I, I agree with you, David. I, I think that's the right mindset. That's why I'm not gonna say I read too much into it. Um, I take it for what it is. And I think that that's got to be the mindset of the team at this point. If you're counting down the days till Jai gets back, it makes it really hard to focus on each night um, task to task. The mentality really has to be, as they say, it hasn't really been, it hasn't rang true this year, but next man up, that's their, that that's their sort of their mindset. That's their group. Uh, They, they believe in each other. And I think that should be the focus. So while yes, I do think that, it means Ja will be out more than four games that they had actually announced. Also, I'm not sure that that means we won't see him at all either. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch off off of that small wordplay. And something else about the the Ja situation, Taylor Jenkins uh, this morning uh, had a quote out basically saying that they had they they've had conversations in the past uh, about this situation, and I guess probably trying to rein in some of the stuff that was going on for job. Ja. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm not going to put any rumors or anything out there, but there's a lot of talk about there's been other incidents that I guess aren't public knowledge and that this is something that they've kind of been dealing with. And Taylor Jenkins pretty much admitted to that earlier today. Um, I, I guess that was that shoot around uh, that, that they've had ongoing conversations about this and it just kind of came to a head with the Instagram live video um, in, in, in Denver. Uh, so I, I think, 
as I said before, man, I think the basketball stuff is secondary at this point. Um, I think it's more important that he takes the time that he needs to get right. And, and I think Steven Adams' situation, uh, that, he, that he's going to be out, I mean, pretty much it's, he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season. I think that's pretty self-explanatory at this point, barring something changing. Um, I think it makes it a little bit easier to kind of kind of deal with that, uh, to, to kind of navigate that. Um, if, if he came back and you were in a situation where you're still fighting for this seed and everything, on a human level, you, you still, it doesn't matter. Like, he needs to set out, but it, it makes it tougher to kind of not have the, your star player when you're still, like, right to think of it. Now you just don't know what's going to happen. Everything's up in the air. So um, I think that makes it a little bit easier for him to – to be out, um, and it not from a from a like I said, somebody that covers the team at a fan standpoint, not be as worried about it. Uh, but again, for me, it's just all about him and him getting better as a person, um, and him doing the things that he needs to do to come back with a clear mind, be a better teammate, uh, just be a better ambassador for this this franchise. And I think that's the big important thing because you just don't want to see this continue, man. He's so young, man, twenty three years old. Um, he's probably already cost himself, and I talked a lot about this this morning. He's probably already cost himself thirty-eight million dollars uh, because he's up for the supermax. In order for him to get that supermax, he has to make one of the All NBA teams this year. And with this situation going on, I, I would be surprised if if, if he gets enough votes uh, to to make the All NBA team. If this hadn't happened, I think one hundred percent he would have been on one of the, one of the three All NBA teams. But at this point, I would be surprised, especially if he misses significant time i think that makes it even less likely so i mean that's a 38 million dollar mistake uh that that he could have made potentially and 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 that's big so uh people are talking about that he had lost anything i mean if that's something right there that you could point to that's a a significant loss of this that it's just it's senseless to be honest i mean there's no reason for it so he's just got to get right man and that's that's the thing about it man this team um he's the face of this team the nba is pushing him to be one of the faces of the league and you just hate to see such a young player going through this and you don't want to see him blow this opportunity signal to a shoe uh spokesperson for, for power aid i mean just has so much going for him and going down that road man and we talked about this before on here these smallest and they're small right now nobody's heard anything like that but these smallest and this can easily turn into something something much worse uh when you're dealing with guns and stuff it just takes one thing to happen and next thing you know something terrible is happening and it's something that he can't return from this is what's happening right now he can definitely bounce back from and and be we we've seen people bounce back from worse than this, so I'm glad that it possibly came to a head before something happened that he couldn't return from. I, I want to go back to uh, to David's original question about you know uh, how how much this win means for the team. While in terms of playoff contention, all of that, I'm not really sure how much this game means. Uh, one thing that I do think that could be a positive. There are a few positives to look at in in this in this time period for the Grizzlies, but there might be one, and that's uh, the Defensive Player of the Year award for Jaron Jackson Jr. Potentially, he's got an opportunity here to really shine and, and make his talents known. And he did a great job of that tonight. Maybe six of six of thirteen, uh, three or four from three point lines, and seven from free throw. He had uh, nine rebounds, almost a double double. 21 points, only had four fouls, which for Jaron is good. <laughs> uh, so a good game for, for Jaron on both ends and people seeing how uh, he had one block shot tonight. It's people seeing how important he is on both ends of the floor. Because when Jaron was off the floor tonight, the huge runs, you know, it was 
in part to some crazy rotations, but still huge runs by the Golden State Warriors with Jaron off that floor. And, you know, I think the Grizzlies still have some national TV games coming down the stretch. So in terms of uh, what these wins mean, um, you still got to be a top player. You got to be a winning team in order to in order to get any 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 in, uh, end of the year uh, awards. Uh, I think the Grizzlies still have the number one defense at this point. And if they can continue to, you know, show themselves and put themselves in the right foot, this will be great for Jaron uh, taking the next step and for this team seeing Jaron in the way that they really need to moving forward in order for this team to reach his ceiling long term. They're they're second. They were second heading into tonight, but the second, top okay. three top three teams are separated by three tenths of a point. So it's all like Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Memphis. They're On defense, one, okay. 1094 1096 1097 so it's it's fractions of a point but yeah that's it's a fantastic point not that i was trying to break your point down by saying they're not first but yeah you know there's still things to play for this year are are you a title contending team without ja morant i think we all know the answer to that like the the, the answer to that question is no you don't have the depth without ja morant with Ja Morant, because of his abilities, nothing is impossible. I, I don't even think it's likely if Ja Morant comes back that they're contending for a title. But with him not being there, it's it's a lot less likely. Isaac, I want to go – I actually want to ask you something. You sent out a tweet during the game, and I was going to pull it up and read it word for word, but it was something along the lines of – you wish that we would get this version of Dylan Brooks more often than not. And so I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. I'm going to play the Dylan Brooks hater, which if you've listened to this show at all, you know that I am not that. Yep. I was like, be careful because the people. He, well, <laughs> they, I, yeah, no, I, I, the, if, if, if they listen to the show, they know that I'm not a Dylan Brooks hater, but I, I'm going to, I, it was interesting that you made that comment because if you just look on the surface, Six of 15 from the floor, that's 40% yeah. from the field. And one, one of seven, seven three. from three. The only one he made, he swished it right in Iguodala's face, which that's kind of worth the price of admission <laughs> in and of itself. But what, what exactly, what were you pointing to when you sent that tweet about you wish that we would get this version of Dylan Brooks more often than not? He still wasn't efficient tonight. One for seven from three, 40% from the field. Field 14 points, six assists, four rebounds. The six assist is really good for him. Is that kind of what you were leaning toward, or what specifically were you eyeing when you sent that out? Well, re- real quick before I before I answer that question, uh, Taylor Jenkins did address the Dylan Brooks comment uh, that he made on a walk off interview, which I feel I think is interesting. I don't necessarily take this as gospel, but he he said that, that, that on his comment about this is our group going to the playoffs. Uh, Taylor Jenkins said it has nothing to do with John Morant's status which I don't really take that as gospel because I think Taylor Jenkins is going gonna to say that because he wants to coach speak. keep down speculation as coach speak because even this morning in his comments, what he was trying to do was try to get people to, to, spec- to stop speculating and leave it alone. Don't worry about when he's coming back. So he knew that comment was going to start to have people to start talking about, well, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? So he's going to try to kill that while, while he can. So I don't necessarily believe that necessarily means that, He's for sure coming back, but it could. But I, I don't. I don't take it as gospel. But someone I, I tweeted that, and someone posted that he said that in a post game interview. So I thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, back to to Dylan Brooks. I think you talked about the six assists. Uh, but I think that's 
for Dylan Brooks, I mean, that's like a, a ridiculous number. I mean, to see him have six assists, and I think what, what he was doing on the defensive end, I think there's nights where his offense is bad, and I don't think he makes up for it on the defensive end. You have six assists in the defense that he played tonight. Some of the plays that he made tonight, I think, on the other end of the court, I think outweigh him missing those shots. And I mean, you look at the plus minus. I mean, he's second on the team at a plus 22. I mean, that shows you the impact that he had despite going one or seven from three and not super efficient uh, from the floor. When he has that impact on the other end, I'm willing to allow some more missed shots. I mean, you don't necessarily want to see one to one for seven. I'll, I'll give you that. But I, I feel like his impact tonight overall outweighed him kind of missing some of those shots. Uh, so I guess I don't necessarily want to say he earned some of those misses tonight, but that's kind of the, the way I'm leaning. I, I just think his impact, they don't win that game, this game tonight without him. I think he made a huge difference despite missing those shots. And if we can get, if you can say that at the end of the game, I'm, I'm willing to take it. I think you got to give him his flowers too. There when him and Draymond were kind of Man, how is that face. not a tech though? Oh, no, Draymond. Like, how but do you let him? Because, because it's Draymond Green, dude. Yeah, how he's, much he's, shit does he he's get like, he doesn't get away. He, on, on the podcast, he's talking about he does. What do I get away with? I got 15 tests, less, less, one less than your dumb ass. Probably should have 30, though. That's the, yeah, that's, the thing about it. Like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I, I swear these referees are scared of him for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, but I feel like he gets away with more than anybody in the league when it comes to gestures and things that he does, and and okay, I got a great example from this game. The Grizzlies won this game when Xavier Tillman kind of dropped back and he broke up that pass and he threw it to Bain. Why was that not a take foul? Yeah, why I didn't was get that it either. not a take foul? They said, I thought for sure well, it was. Well, you know, Harlan and Reggie Miller were, you know. Never mind. I can't say that. I'm not going to say. <laughs> that. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. But they were all about the Warriors. Yeah, and to say the least. they're like, well, maybe he was making a play on the ball. Dude wasn't even reaching. <laughs> Dude, he, wasn't he was even just for the grabbing. Ball. He was grabbing <laughs> Tillman. That's all he was doing, and it wasn't a take foul. I didn't understand that, and that was not necessarily because it was Draymond Green. No, they're but, super. Yeah, they're I, super with that. I mean, they just go. You never know when it's going to be because I've seen some that I thought for that that weren't, and they call it a take foul, and then some that I thought for sure was, and they don't. And because yeah. I thought that one was for sure, and they're super inconsistent with that call. I don't think they even understand what the rule is. Sometimes it's a new rule. Maybe we'll get a little more clarity going into next season. So I'm because I'll see Pete and Brevin. They'll they'll be for, they'll, they'll be for sure. Oh, that's a take foul. And it ends up not being like. Uh, so I, I I think everybody's kind of learning on that one again. I mean, the officials of the NBA are just God. It's just so bad. It shouldn't be that bad. Like it's there's, there's human error involved in it so you're not going to get everything right but they should be better than they are uh, a lot of people said that they're they're the best out of professional sports i mean if, i guess that's a low bar because they are they're not good a lot of nights i mean we saw fred van bleek last night just go in um on him i think he got five five thirty thousand dollars today yeah m- uh, money well he knew, spent you yeah know he, he knew it was coming he said it. at the beginning he was at the beginning he was like man i'll take it five but yeah man he he went in on them man because they can they can be pretty bad uh there's there, there's no doubt about that yeah, for sure, and that's I'm that there. There's a handful that it seems like specifically when they are Tony Brooks. part of the officiating team <laughs> that the that the Grizz of the Grizzlies game. 
that they get some pretty crappy stuff. Zach Zarr was another one that I don't. I oh yeah, Zach Zarr was bad on the Grizzlies. Yeah, I just I don't like him. That those guys think it's about them and not the players. And and what Fred VanVleet said was one hundred percent accurate. Yep. So yes. we we last night or the the previous episode. We we talked a lot about John ja Morant, and there were some other things that we wanted to get to that we did not have an opportunity to get to. The final score of tonight's game, 131 to 110, the Grizzlies win. They improved to 39 and 26 on the season season. Half game up of the Sacramento Kings go Knicks tonight. Uh for the second seed in the West. Need the Knicks to beat the Kings. So hopefully that happens. So so let's talk a little bit about the stuff that we didn't get to when we were discussing all of the the stuff that was going down with John Morant and also the investigation in Colorado came out after that episode, there were n- nothing that they could charge John Morant with. So that's a positive. The NBA can still suspend him. Are they going to include the games that he has already missed? We don't know. We're not sure what's going to happen there. I think that the way the Grizzlies are handling this is probably a good thing for John Morant, but I don't want to run back down that road. We talked about that for like an hour and 10 minutes other night. Let's talk about Desmond Bain. We were talking about Tillman and how we wanted to give him flowers for how well he's been playing post all-star break. So Candace, I'll throw it to you. Pick one of the subjects that we were going to talk about in the last episode. We ran out of time and take off with it, and we can go from there. Well, I'll, I'll mention I mentioned Xavier Tillman last time, so I'll start off with that. And and another really good game from him. Um, he he, he played less minutes because he had some foul, a little bit of foul trouble there, uh, but still gave you uh, ten points tonight. Um, gave you what eight rebounds. He, he's just he's just been a steady presence. He has really filled in as best as he can for Steven Adams in terms of the role that they need him to do, really just kind of being uh I didn't say he may be giving you just a little bit more offensively just but Steve O was having a kind of a kind of a dominant stretch offensively before he went down. But uh I, I just I just you love what you see what you're seeing from this guy. And this is a guy who was playing the G, G League trying to stay ready. I think when he first came in subbing for Adams pre All-Star break, he he was inconsistent. You saw some moments from him that you liked, got some good things from him. And then sometimes his limitations were just overbearing. And that's just going to be the case sometimes. He's undersized. And that just is going to be what it's going to be. But for what he is, you are getting the absolute maximum effort from him. And you are getting everything you could possibly get from a guy like that. So I just wanted to give him praise. You know, everybody was down on him, including myself, honestly. Um, and and he has really just shown his value and what he could can be to this team uh, with just a little bit more opportunity. I don't think you could ask for any more from your fourth big. Um, for him to be thrown in a situation, I mean, at times completely out of rotation, not playing at all, uh, to now move all the way up to starter. Like, that's the thing with David Tillman. When he's not playing, he's either not playing or he's starting. That's usually yeah. the situation that he's in. That's kind of a weird dynamic there. Uh, but as Candace said, I mean, he, he just has limitations. He's undersized, but for what, for him to be thrown in a position, I mean, he was thrown in there. I mean, he's going up against Jokic. I think Anthony Davis, uh, Joel Embiid, back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back, uh, to be thrown in there. He's done a yeoman's job. I don't think there's any question. Another good game tonight, like I said, even in limited minutes, only played 22 minutes tonight, was a plus nine. I've uh, had 10 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a steal, super efficient, five and seven from the field. 
Um, I mean, he's he's knocked down the free throws for the most part uh, since he's been playing. So he's done everything that they could have expected. I mean, I, there, he, there's, there's times he's going to get beat. I mean, you're going up against Anthony Davis. He's given up so much size. I mean, you're not going to stop uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, no, even a really good center, Stephen Adams is not going to shut Anthony Davis down or anything. And you're giving up that much size. He's going to struggle at times. But for what, what he's asked to do, man, I think I, I'd give him an A+. Plus. I, don't, I don't think there's anything else that you could ask from him. He's not a guy that you want as your starting center. Uh, but every time his name has been called, I mean, he's after the bell. And I just have so much respect for him, for a guy that he they told him that he was possibly going to be out the rotation for the most part to start the season. And he volunteered uh, to go down to the G League as a, as a, as a third, third-year player, go down to the G League. I mean, that's, that's something that you're not going to get a lot of guys to do. Uh, because, I mean, that takes a lot of, Pride swallowing because I mean this is a dude that been he's been playing in the playoffs. I mean you go back to that play-in game, hit that big corner three, uh, that kind of put them in position to win that game over the Warriors. Uh, speaking of the Warriors, um, so I, I love Xavier Tillman, man, I, and I have a lot of respect for him. I know he's kind of the guy to trade deadline. Everybody was talking about throwing in for filler just because of how this roster is built up in the contracts. He's just kind of one of the guys that makes sense that you have to add to add salary. But uh, I just think he's a fantastic. Got to have in his team in his locker room and always seems to have a positive attitude, even though when he's not playing, he's talked about in the past, I think times last year, that how tough it was that, that coming into the arena, going to practice, not knowing exactly what your role is going to be. And he's just, every time, man, just been ready. Every time they call his number, man. So shout out to X. X going to give it to you, man. I love, love what he's been able to do and kind of filling in for Steven Adams and doing, doing the best he can do. Dare I say, post All Star break, especially, he has been the most consistent Grizzly of them all. Because everybody no, else, no I feel course. like, has had no some course. up and down games, but Tillman's just been solid. You know what you're going to get from him? Yeah, double figures pretty much every night. So, yep. The definition of professional just always steps up. What, what, whatever they need him to do, he's there. And, and like Isaac said, it, it's, it, it, you, you don't want him necessarily as your starting center. But he's a guy that you absolutely love to have on the team because when somebody goes down, you know what you're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, he was a guy for me, like around the trade deadline. And I'm like, okay, he's going to bring teams are going to value him. They see what he does on the floor. And yeah, he's not going to be a starter, but having a guy on your bench that can come in and play minutes like X can. That that's pretty valuable in the NBA. There are a lot of teams that don't have a big that could come in and produce the way that X is producing. And so I think that he would be even added value if you're using him as salary filler to make a trade. He he's adding a little bit of value to it. So let let's talk about Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain was nine for sixteen tonight, two for five from three. He missed a free throw. I about puked whenever he missed that free throw. Like <laughs> I, I've got him. I traded for him in my fantasy league. I know nobody cares, but I needed free throw percentage. And I'm like, he's like 90%. Good. I'm going to trade for him. And then he missed that free throw. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> man, that's your fault, man. It, it is. I'm going yeah, bl- to blame you for that. I'm going to blame that, you for that's that. That's fine. I will, I will take it, man. I will take it. So, you know, he is going to be kind of thrust into a role where he has to be more of a playmaker. He he you're always looking for him to score. The Grizzlies want him to be a guy that's averaging 20 points a game. 
do you think that he's going to be able to I, I we talked about the toe and maybe maybe going ahead and just having him do the surgery and get it over with but how do you think he's going to respond how do you feel like he's responded so far having to be in a bigger role I mean it's it's been it's been Jekyll and Hyde a little bit I mentioned that at the the end of last show was something that I wanted to to get into because it seems like it's been every other game tonight was Really good Desmond Bain. I mean, 21 points, two rebounds, six assists, uh, 50% from the field and nine of 18, two of five from three, 32 minutes plus 19. Um, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with Pius was also still playing really well in the fourth quarter. Um, in, in these losses, you've seen games where him and Tyus were both struggling. Um, and they had a lot of, you saw a lot of Desmond Bain on the ball in four quarters and he was really struggling. He'd have a really good first half and then he would just go at the tank. Uh, in the second half, and he would get tunnel vision in in in, in late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, he make these bad cross court passes because I mean, one thing that he really struggles with is he can't feed the post at all. I mean, that's something that for some reason he just doesn't have the touch on that. And I don't know if it's the short arms thing, but he he he's really susceptible when he gets in that mode to to turn the ball over. Um, he gets he, I think he gets sped up a little too, little too much, and he takes bad shots at times. And I don't know if it's fatigue uh, because I think he's getting really high usage without Ja and he's the kind of the guy that the defense is going to key in on especially in those four quarters he's trying to do a lot of stuff out there he's trying to balance whether he should score whether he should try to pass the ball and I think he gets in his head a little bit and we I saw he's really struggled in, in some of those losses in the fourth quarter like to the point I'm like man he might need to sit down um, I remember Candace uh, kind of talking about this and young Harriet I was in a space those nights he mentioned the same thing that maybe he should he shouldn't be on the floor at those times. Or maybe you should bring him out the bench. Uh, Candace mentioned it, and I heard John Area kind of mentioned that same thing. And I, I remembered her comment. Uh, but the thing about it is, that you you end up getting nice like you got tonight, and you're like, okay, well, this is the guy. You can't sit him down in these situations. He has to be on the floor. And then you see those times he really struggle, and it kind of kind of becomes a dilemma. Uh, but I guess I mean in the situation they're in, I mean he's probably the the him and Darren, the two guys on this team without John that you really need so it's kind of hard to kind of take him off the floor or do anything like that but there have been some times where he really struggles and I think that's kind of a a window into his ceiling as far as when it comes to playmaking and stuff I don't think I don't like him in those situations um, and I think they need more on this team to, to kind of take him out of those situations because that's that's not when he's at his best when he's having to create and put him on the ball it also hurts his offense he doesn't shoot the basketball as well because I think he gets tired just moving around, just trying to do too much. That's really not the position that you want him in. He's improved a lot as far as taking the ball to the basket. I mean, that's he, that, that's become his bread and butter, man. He's doing that probably even more than he's shooting threes now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's become a big part of his game. But you, the playmaking stuff, he it really hasn't come along. Like he still really, really struggles when he gets into the games, especially late game, late game situations where he has to create. He's pretty rough. Uh, for the most part in those situations. So that's something that I've noticed. I, I don't know what you guys think about it. So so I I I I agree to some extent with a lot of what you said in terms of the stuff you just can't argue. He has been definitely juggling hide. He, it's been inconsistent. I'll say I'll say this. I'll remind people that prior to the injury, Desmond Bain was more of the closer than Ja Morant. Because there were plenty of games where Ja was 
not good. I mean, Ja hadn't been good in the fourth all year. That's just the reality about the situation. Circumstances or not, he has not been good in the fourth all year. And it was really there to Bain knocking down critical three-pointers or knocking down free throws. And you rather have Bain at the line than Ja because, you know, he's a better free throw shooter. So I feel like part of that is part of this is the injury. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention. I meant to mention that that it could be could be the injury related. But yeah, I think I I think I credit some of that, and then part of it is like you said, the higher usage. Right, he does get sped up a lot, and so you can see him make some bad decisions. You can see him like you know make careless turnovers, and I think is I really think it's good for him. I'm, I'm not out on Desmond Bain. Um, it, I'm not out on him. Not we're not talking about being out on him, but I mean, so when I mentioned before just to give context to what Isaac was referring to, in terms of your shooting and efficiency, yeah. I was saying I would consider Luke Kennard over Bain. Despite, I know there's politics involved and all of that, but I would consider at least giving Kennard more minutes because right now he's the Desmond Bain of last year in terms of efficiency. And that's not what really, Bain has some more efficient nights, but I think because of the toe, because of the higher usage, because of the bigger role that they're asking him to do, I think all of that combined is you're not getting the consistency from him. I think it's possible that next year he comes back and you see, I'm not going to say another leap, but I, you see him put it all together, so to speak. Cause I think you see some great flashes from him from, from playmaking and we've seen him be the closer before. I just feel like it's a combination of things and it hurts the team sometimes. I mean, this team has lost games because Desmond Bain was bad. Like, Quite frankly, I think the Lakers game is one you could easily point to. Yeah, but, definitely. Hey, but in the long term, I, I think that uh, you'll see him be better because of these moments. And I think he'll eventually adjust. I'm not sure he'll always get so sped up. Um, these reps are really good for him right now in terms of next year and how how far I think it could go for him. Uh, you, you have to take into consideration the fact that Ja is not on the floor, even right. when Ja doesn't have the ball in his hands, it's not that he is this massive three point threat. Cause he's not, we, we know that he is not, he has improved in that area, but that takes a weapon off of the floor. So specifically during this stretch, when the Grizzlies are going to be playing without John ja Morant, we know that the load is going to be higher on Desmond Bain. Mm-hmm. You need the secondary guys to be knocking down their shots you know, right now it would be like Jaron is one A and and uh, Bain is one B, or you know, vice versa, whichever way you want to flip that. Mm-hmm. You need Tyus Jones to have games like he had tonight. You need Santi Aldama to knock down the shots. We Kennard has been efficient; he's going to be knocking down the shots. Like I, I'm confident in that. But those guys that are on the floor with him, you really need them to knock those shots down to give him that space because he can get downhill, and he's done that pretty efficiently. I'm I'm not overly concerned with it. I I think that it's kind of his growing pains. You know, we saw that massive leap from him, and we didn't know, you know, is he going to, you know, have another leap this year or what's going to happen? And then, you know, maybe the injury is hindering some of that. But I'm, I'm happy with where he is. Um, going back to that Lakers game, I had all kinds of internet issues. I got to watch like 40 seconds of that entire game. So I didn't get to see how bad he was in that one. But th- there are definitely times, specifically when the ball is in his hands and he has to be that playmaker, that you can tell there's there's times in the game when he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. 
And then there's times in the games, but fourth quarter, when he is trying to do too much, I feel like he's pressing a little bit. Yep. And I, I think that you like the reps this year are good. And I'm interested to watch what this team does without John Morant here, because you're going to get guys, you know, we saw Roddy getting a little bit of a run tonight and Zaire, you know, he, he was two for two from the field, but he, he looked rough. He, he still yeah. like, we didn't see the Zaire that we were seeing at the end of last year out there. I see a lot of y'all rolling on him. I'm going to say the same thing about him that I said about about Santi Aldama in the summer league. You hey guys man, are rolling I on this dude. On I haven't rolled yeah, on him. No, no, I'm not, I'm what, I'm not <laughs> saying. Watch, though. Like, yeah. a lot of people, not a lot of Grizzlies fans, <laughs> a lot of Grizzlies fans have rolled on him already, and a lot of Grizz media members have rolled on yeah, him already. Yeah, I, I was about to say, yeah. And, 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 you, <laughs> One in particular, but we're yeah, not going to mention it's okay if you want to have that take, but own it. Like when when we get a year or two down the road and he adds muscle to that frame, gonna pretend ever, like they never they gonna pretend yeah. like they never said never yeah, I guarantee it. And I I've got screenshots and I've bookmarked a whole bunch of stuff. I'm sure as hell gonna be the first one to remind them that they said that shit. But he he's gonna get stronger. He I was talking with I want to say savage the other day, but I can't remember for sure who it was. And I was talking, you know, like Kevin Durant never really got bigger in his time in the NBA, but he added muscle. Like he's always been a small frame guy. And Zaire, I think is always going to be a small frame guy, but he's going to get stronger. And I think that from this season going into next season is when we are going to see that from him. I don't think it's going to be some massive, like he's borderline all-star leap, but I don't think you need that from him. If that happens, it's going to be crazy for the Grizzlies, but yeah, he, he's way too young and his size, his frame, his skill set. There's way too much there to be rolling on this kid already. And, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm fine. If I'm wrong, you know, maybe in, in three or four years down the road, I'm like, all right, I should have rolled on him earlier but I didn't do it, but I would rather uh, hold on hope a little bit longer than to roll early and look like what some of y'all and y'all did roll on Santi in, <laughs> in the summer league. Yeah. I had rolled on Santi a little bit, but I, I don't think, I don't think rolling on Santi was, was that crazy. I mean, when no. you look at the situation, I mean, because even, even in summer league in Utah, he still looked like a deer in headlights. Like I don't, I'm still amazed watching Santi Santi to this day, like that yeah. some of the stuff that he does. Like I just I don't know how anybody flips the switch that fast. The players must have been sitting in practice because the whole time when anytime they you asked about camp, they were like, "Who who's the who are you most impressed by?" Man, watch out for Sunday. Everybody to a man saying, "Watch out for Sunday." I was like, I mean, he might be a guy that can come in, knock down, knock down a couple threes for you. But he's making defensive plays now. He he's confident. He has a swagger. Uh, I mean, he's hunting three-point shots. I mean, he's finishing at the rim. He's trying to dunk on people. I mean, I, I never thought we would have that uh, from some Santi Aldama. Like, by the end of the Vegas Summer League, I was like, okay, he's he may be able to do okay filling in for Jaron. We might be able to get by, but I didn't see this kind of leap coming from him. Uh, but with Zaire, to, to David's point, I was thinking the same thing watching that game tonight. He just needs to get stronger. I was thinking about some of those pin downs when he put some little bit of muscle on. He's never going to be a huge guy because he's just a small lanky, just a, a small frame guy, just a tall, long guy that's not going to be able to put a whole lot of weight on, but you you can get stronger. It's not necessarily about 
weight. It's about putting on muscles, and I think he definitely has some room to grow there. And when he does that, I think it's going to be a, make him a better basketball player. And he's a better player than what we're seeing right now. I mean, even I don't know. I'm not sure what his ceiling is. I'm not sure if he'll ever live up to being a top ten pick. But we've seen more than this from him already. So you know it's in there. And 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 you didn't. I don't think what we saw last year was his ceiling. So I'm not out on him at all, man. But it's been rough this year. I think it's a mental thing. I think it's mostly mental, man. You just gotta yes. gotta get him back, man. Work with him in the summer. Continue to work with him. Hopefully, he can be healthy next year going into camp so he'll have a full camp and, and be ready. I think I don't think that helped. I don't think the injury helped the situation. But, again, man, there, there's, there's some room to grow there because, again, we've seen more from this. This was a guy that was in the playoff rotation last year. So it, it, it's just kind of strange to see him regress, especially with this team and the way they are with player development. But I, I'm not out on him at all. I still think that he's going to be a better player for this team than what we're seeing right now in the future. I think part of it is a sophomore slump. I do. I do think part of that. Now, I, I, my expectations for him are to get back to what we saw more from him his rookie year, and I would be fine with that. Honestly, if he didn't do anything else, I'll be fine with that. But I, I agree if he can get stronger. And then the other thing I need for him to do, I do need him to find his strength because he is yeah. sort of like he's not really, and he's got a variety of things he can do but nothing he can go to. And I feel like that would do a lot for his own. Like, you know, I agree with you guys. A lot of it is mental, but he doesn't really have something he can go to, you know, to, to get that confidence up. And if he can sharpen, whether it's the mid range or whatever, I don't, I don't think it's going to be three point. I'm not sure he'll. Yeah, ever, I, really I, I think, I think mid range, I think mid range is what he really needs yeah. to work on. Cause right now it's just running the full catch and law. That, that's yeah. pretty much it. Mid range and, and defense uh, using his length, I think are the two things that, he needs to work on. Um, if he if he develops a mid range jumper and continues to work on the defense with that length, he has the opportunity to be a a plus defender. I mean, mm-hmm. with that size, that length, that can guard multiple guys uh, all over the floor. Um, and that's my my big hope for him is he turns to that defender because if Dylan Brooks does leave, I mean, they need they're going to need defenders on the wing, and he has the the body to be that. So I hope he develops that man because I'm pulling for him because I. You just hate to see it going him going through this because again, man, to be a rookie and be playing in playoffs and kind of regress and be where he is now, it's just just kind of tough to watch uh, him out there struggling the way that he has. Yeah, between him and Roddy, I do have optimism that both of them can kind of. I don't think you're going to get what Dylan gives in one guy, but you know, if both of those guys could could make some leaps, I think David is a better point of attack guy because of physicality, physicality, and then Zaire's got that length that can really bother, especially from the, from the perimeter in that way. So. I'm, I'm definitely not out on Zaire. It, I, I, if I if I didn't see him play again, I'd be fine this year. But that's not because I'm out <laughs> on him. I just I just think that it's it's just a tough watch, man. And I I think you know maybe this time will be helpful for. I'm sure this time any reps are helpful for a player. But man, it's brutal to watch. But anyway, I, I look forward to seeing him have a, a bounce back season next year. I think he'll at least come a little bit more to form. Like it's the Josh said, man. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him do it in the dark. That's what, yeah, <laughs> what he said. We necessarily need, need these minutes on the floor because it's rough, man, to watch watch him out there right now. All right, guys, you got anything else before we wrap it up tonight? Um, just just a couple things on 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 around the resting conference. I mean, you got Kevin Durant slipped last night, twisted his ankle, and they're saying reevaluated two to three weeks, so he could be done for most of the rest of the regular season or close to it because they didn't even say return, so he must have twisted it pretty bad. Uh, yeah, he was in a. He came I, I saw something the about a uh, possible grade two. Dude, so, yeah, so 
So you got that going on. And you also, Grizzlies could be catching Dallas at the right time. And you got back-to-back games with Dallas, one here, and then at Dallas on Monday. Um, I would definitely not expect Luka to play in the first game. Um, he got a MRI, and they said that it, that it was clean, but he can return whenever he doesn't feel discomfort. But the way he was talking last night in that post-game interview, he, asked, he said it was not good at all. So he's experienced a lot of discomfort, said that he's been experiencing that ever since the first game back when the All-Star break, and it's just progressively gotten worse. So I would expect him to probably be out on Friday, and we'll see about Monday, but they could be catching Dallas with two games without him. Not that that's going to make it easier because Grizz is a super shorthanded. They still have Kyrie Irving. They can still score. Uh, so it's still going to be tough battles. But if you could get two games against them without Luka, I'll, I'll take all the breaks we can get because we're in a situation where any win is – good right now so I, i'll take him i'll take him if he's down man I, I don't have any any problems with that man get get healthy just get healthy a couple games from now yeah I guess, yeah for sure i got i guess i have a final question is we you know there's still a lot of question marks but about you know this team and we know we know for sure that bc is out but let's say hypothetically you get job back for the playoffs you get adams back for the playoffs does 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 the expectations stay low for you guys or let's say you get that let's say you get that injection of uh of talent in let's say they're able to hold kind of serve in the meantime uh what's what's your guys' outlook on that man for for me i i still don't i i i'm still not thinking championship and i i think even if this hadn't went down i'm not sure that they they had had what it takes to win a championship this year. And I, I yeah. felt like that all year. Like even going back to the summer, I just felt like they didn't do enough. I kind of miscalculated how good the West was going to be initially, but I think at the trade deadline, it kind of turned into what I expected it to be going to the season, what a lot of people expected it to be. Um, a lot of There were some teams that were disappointed. You talk about Minnesota, New Orleans, a couple of teams that people expected to be higher. But Sacramento was a team that took an even bigger leap, I think, than a lot of people expected. So that kind of, Added to it, but I just think on the wing, I just don't think they they have enough. I think that the I have half court offense is a struggle, and now with everything that's going on, I mean, there's a mental aspect to it. You also you're going to be adding guys back in that haven't played in a while because it'll be probably two and a half months or so since Adams would have played. And depending on the matchups, that's always a question with Adams in the playoffs. I just think it would be a lot to to overcome. Um, I I think my expectations were. Basically, one of the first-round series and whatever happens after that is gravy. I think that's kind of how I felt about it. So if you get those guys back, I guess, depending on matchup, depending on what seats you get, hopefully they can stay in the top four and get home court advantage. I think if you get those guys back, you got a chance to advance if you got home court advantage. But anything more than that, I think, would be asking a little bit too much to ask these guys. Because I mean, they've been through a lot this year. You lose one of your top reserves in, in Brandon Clark, it's – it's gonna to be tough. I'm not saying that they can't do can't do it, but that's you having two guys that haven't played that long and trying to implement those guys back in and ramp it right up for a playoff series. I think that's gonna be gonna be pretty tough on them. You're gonna to have to see somebody that is healthy right now be playing outside of their mind in order for that to happen. You know, I really want to give like a, a Bobby Boucher speech here. But you, you remember that time <laughs> that, that John Morant came back at the end of the regular season and the Memphis Grizzlies won the the, the, the world title? Like, <laughs> but but I like realistically, I just 
I think that they can compete with anybody. You get into the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. Other teams have to stay healthy as well. You you look at, at the Denver Nuggets, they're playing well. They're six and a half games up on the Grizzlies in first in the West. But you have guys, Michael Porter Jr., his back could flare up at any time. How much difference does that make for the Nuggets? Um, Jamal Murray has kind of gotten his legs back under him, and so he looks good. But anybody can go down at any given time. And if you lose a big piece, you know, heaven forbid something happened to Joker, what does that Nuggets team look like without him? That team is definitely beatable if you lose a guy like that. There's a lot of what-ifs. You never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. The, the Warriors found a lot of success beating teams that had injured players. And mm-hmm. I know that people, Warriors fans, have been, oh, it's a, it's a cheap shot. You got to play whoever's in front of you. But it's just the facts of the situation. You go back and you look at their title runs. They ran into teams who had injured players. And, again, you have to play who's in front of you. I, I would love to see it happen. I'm not optimistic that it can happen. Um there's timing stuff. There's all kinds of things. But if you see, we, we, we've talked about Adama and what he's been able to do this year. If you see him playing at a higher level than what he's ever played at and those guys come back and you get just some sort of wild performance from somebody that you don't expect it, anything can happen. But that's just me trying to be optimistic. Yeah, I think I think I – I don't think championship, and I think I, I err on the side of Isaac anyway. I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure. I really, you know, always saw championship necessarily. Uh, I'll say this though: I, I, depending on the circumstances, and, and momentum matters a great deal. How they finish out this stretch is going to matter a great deal. If they manage to either hold on the second seed or third seed or something like that, um, basically holding position, doing well with Jaw out, and let's say they. They get the shot in the arm, Adams and Jar back for the playoffs. I, I can actually see that giving them a little bit of momentum, especially if Jaw comes back with the right mindset. You know what I mean? He shouldn't be coming back for it's ready to play anyway. But if Jaw comes back uh, the right the right way, I can see them getting to a Western Conference Finals, um, even even without BC. And I'll say that because I really like what I see from Roddy. Um Really liking his role, and he just kind of seems ready. I know I just like I like the guy's mentality when he's playing on the court, even though sometimes he he got some some Dylan esque um, shot selections. But I, I like what I see from the guy uh, from a uh, from just in the flashes that we've seen. So anyway, um, it's just my thought. I think I think the circumstances would have to be right. I think the matchups would matter a great deal. If you run into the Warriors in the first round, I don't I, I don't think they make it out of that. I don't think I don't think they're equipped to make I'm it out not of that. I'm not scared of that. If you got Ja, Steven Adams doesn't necessarily matter in, in that matchup as much. But I, I'm not like I, I go back, you know, when Ja was doing that interview and it, it's become like meme worthy now. Okay. Uh, I'm good. I'm good in the West. There's not a team in the West that I'm scared of. There's nobody in the West that I look at and I say, there's no chance the Grizzlies can beat that team. I agree. I, I, I was going to say, I think with Phoenix, it's all about health. With them, health and depth. I mean, they yeah, don't. But, well, have what a lot kind of, depth. of chemistry are they going to have if Durant doesn't play any games in the regular season? And listen, I I know what kind of talent I mean, that is. Yeah, man, but, you still talking but, about Durant and Booker? You got to, you got to. Yeah, they going to put points on the board. There's no matter. Sure. So you have to score to beat that team. So I, yeah. I get what you're saying, but yeah, it's 
to me, the, the scariest team in the West right now as far as matchups because of the way that they play is Sacramento. Oklahoma City Thunder. No, I'm just playing. The Thunder. The Thunder. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the Kings for me. It, it really is. Like, they, they that matchup, I think, would be I'm surprised be that scared you. On, on the Grizzlies, I'm not saying the Grizzlies can't beat them. I told you I don't think they're. I, I don't look at any team and say I, I don't think the Grizzlies can beat them. But I think the toughest matchup would be Sacramento. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying Sacramento's not good because they're really good. But I get regular season good vibes from yes. them. That's yeah. what 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 I feel. I feel like they when they get in the matchup uh, matchup in the playoffs, I think they're going to have a tougher time. Not that they can't win can't win a series, but I, I think they're a better regular season team than they're going to be in the playoffs, but we'll see. Correct. Yeah. yeah Correct. I mean, you, you may be right, but you know, they've got guys that have won before. So it's been a while. I'll, I'll see. It's been a while for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say this. I, the, I think though, I agree with you, David, that I don't see a team that I think is, is scary, but I, I, I think the Grizzlies beat themselves. And so I expect the reason why I don't want to yeah. play the Warriors the reason I don't want to play the Warriors is not because they, I don't they think the execute, man. it's because the mental edge that they have yeah. over the Grizzlies. I don't think the Grizzlies can overcome that this year. Now, I think this year will go a long way to helping them overcome that because right now, at will, they can get Dylan Brooks in foul trouble and Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble at will. And until that changes, I don't want to. I don't want to mess with the team. Yeah, but, and I, it's, but, that's the thing with something like that, though. It's like that until it's not. Like that could flip at any given minute. And that Warriors team, the reason I'm not scared of the Warriors, like I, they, they beat them tonight, and and I never went on record. This game doesn't mean shit. It's a regular season game. They beat them. <laughs> they, it, it means nothing. I mean, I, I agree like, with you. I'm, agree I'm with glad you. that they won. But the vibes, they but it don't mean nothing. Yeah. In a playoff series, these regular season wins mean nothing. You got to have them to get to the playoffs, but nobody cares. And in 20 years, are, are anybody going to know that the Grizzlies won this game the way that they won it? No, not, you know, like you can go back and pull up a box score. But if you beat this team in the playoffs, that's when it's going to matter. The difference is this Warriors team is not as deep as it was last year either. That They don't have the same team that they had last year. And their defense is bad. They're, they're like middle of the pack defensively. Them losing Mike Brown off of that coaching staff was the biggest loss. That that was bigger than any player that they lost because you see where they're at. They're still in the hunt. You can't rule them out because they are dangerous. They do know how to win. But I, I'm just not scared of this team, even though they beat the Grizzlies, and I agree with you that they know how to attack yeah, Dylan. Yeah, they know yeah. how to attack Jaron. Yeah, but I, I'm just not scared of them. I'm just going to say for me it's that the – the late game execution and the Grizzlies lack of late game execution yeah. that we've seen. Cause that's one thing that you know about the Warriors when a game's on the line, they're going to make the plays. And this year, the Grizzlies just have it, whether it's players or whether it's Taylor Jenkins, the the Warriors are, if, if, if you have a team that you're kind of concerned about your coaching and, and kind of down the stretch stuff, late game game management, Warriors are not the team that you want to play because yep. they're not going to make those mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, they're going to make you pay for them. There's no question about that. So that's my would be my concern playing the Warriors. But I, I agree with you overall. I mean, I don't, I'm not scared of anybody. Definitely, definitely not scared of Dallas. Um, if the Grizzlies are right, I think they beat Dallas in the series. They they just don't have the defense. I mean, they added Kyrie Irving and got worse 
that's in my opinion, I think they're a worse team. I think they were probably better equipped in the, the winning the playoffs before they made that move. So I Dallas mean, it, it's was better be, last year. Yeah, they won 100% where I definitely believe that. But I, I'm just not putting any expectations on it. I'm at the point now, whatever happens, if Jock comes back, they get Steven Adams back, let's if roll. They, if they, they don't. They lose 17 in a row and they win the let's get, Let's get Wemma Yonder. Yeah. 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 Wemma Yonder, baby. Wemma Yonder yeah. to Memphis. So. Bring them the bill. Yeah. Well, guys, we, we appreciate you listening. I, I'm I'm trying to wrap it up here. Are, are you guys good? You got anything else yeah. you want to go over? Man, let's go a couple more hours, man. I'm I'm, I'm good. I, I, no, look, but... we can talk after it. I don't think anybody wants to listen to a three-hour podcast. But we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, the final score of tonight's game, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors 131-110, to 39-26, good for second in the Western Conference. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA DWill21. You can find me on Twitter at CandiceH901. Isaac? Yeah, the Grizzlies will be back on the home floor on Friday night at FedEx Forum taking on the Dallas Mavericks. I expect the Dallas Mavericks to, to more than likely be without Luka Doncic in that game, but that definitely doesn't mean it's going to be an easy win. Grizzlies super shorthanded. You're still going up against great player Kyrie Irving who can any given night go out for 40 points and, and beat you. So it's going to be interesting, man. Back to back, the Grizzlies have really struggled with Dallas um, historically. Uh, but that has been a team that they've played well against, and they're going to see a lot of the Mavericks up here. Got three games here with the next week and a half, I want to say. Back-to-back here. Start off Saturday in Memphis, Monday in Dallas. National televised game on Monday night, 6.30 on ESPN. So, going to be seeing a lot of Dallas here over the next week and a half. So, man, just go back out, man. Try to win as many games as you can. Uh, you hope the Knicks are able to, to knock off Sacramento tonight to, to put you a full game back up on them after the win tonight. So, Anyways, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. Uh, we'll be back uh, for, with a post game either Friday night sometime over the weekend to discuss the first Mavericks game. Uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Go to the Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. And until next time, here we go. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.